0: Involve. Solve. Evolve. Welcome to Cloud Crunch, the podcast for any large enterprise planning on moving to or is in the midst of moving to the cloud. Hosted by
1: the cloud computing experts from Second Watch, Ian Willoughby, Chief Architect Cloud Solutions, and Skip Berry, Executive Director of Cloud Enablement. And now, here are your hosts of Cloud Crunch. Welcome back to our show, uh, another episode of Cloud Crunch This Week with my co-host Skip Barry. Skip, how you doing? Good. How are you doing, Ian? Fantastic. And I want to welcome back Michael Elliott, who is our senior director of product marketing, back to the show for a more in-depth conversation.
2: Thank you, Ian. Welcome, Michael. Good to see you again. Yeah. Good to
1: be seen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're recording this in the dog days of summer 2020. Uh, still in the midst of the pandemic, the pandemic is firing up in I think approximately 42 states at this time. So uh, the landscape is once again shifting, not in a positive way for most of us, unfortunately. And our hearts definitely go out to all those affected by this, uh, both economically and health and life and, and all those wonderful things. It takes a, a deep toll, I think, on all of us. But Yeah, unfortunately, you know, unfortunately, business does need to go on. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to extend the conversation that we had from our previous episode with Michael, and uh, where we're talking about some of the strategic initiatives going on out there, and extend that into more specifically and how our our IT leaders out there are responding to the pandemic right now. And let's just go ahead and dive into this, Michael, I think you've you've brought some interesting things up to us prior to the show. And I, I think they're very worthy of sharing with our audience so let's talk about specifically what some of the IT leaders are doing right now to respond to the pandemic and I, I would imagine that there's a top list of items that uh, that we can probably dig into so Michael what are you seeing out there
0: well I know let, let's begin with you know talking about the recent IDG survey of how our IT leaders responding to the pandemic so you know let, let's take from what what the analysts are saying and really the top three are there's a lot more focus on cost control number two, they're looking at how can I improve my IT operations? And that's really directly tied to cost control, but how can I improve my IT operations? And then the third, redesigning the business process. So let's relook at the business process and how IT can support. Uh, and there's always been a focus on these three, but these three have really come into play a lot of it more laser focus around these, and you know, what well, we talk about, like a tripling down of the priority, you know, and and that's what IDG has kind of been talking about. I think, you know, Ian and Skip, you're probably seeing this focus even more in the conversations you're having.
2: For sure. Yeah. Yeah. It seems to be, um, this is where we're at right now. And uh, I know the big question is when will normal be, from a professional services perspective, uh, be engaging again on site with customers and doing what you were accustomed to before, right? We're a long way away from that, but uh, but nevertheless, it's interesting to hear whether it's the the big five or you know shops like us or others are handling that. And remote's a big part of it, of course. Yeah, definitely remote is, is part
1: of it. And what I, I'm seeing though is an interesting trend. I think there's kind of two boats that people are getting into. One is a little bit of paralysis, and yeah. that's understandable. I mean, I, I truly understand that this is overwhelming for a lot of businesses and people, obviously, in general. But secondly, you know, I, I think you touched on cost controls. That is a huge thing that we're seeing uh, people coming back and looking and saying, Tell me how I can save more money. This is a great time to kind of pause, take a look at it. But then, secondly, when you're talking about redesigning that business process, I've been involved with more conversations in the last few weeks about our three year initiatives. Uh, inside these organizations. And I find that fascinating because, you know, these are the types of conversations that we were trying to drive before, but now they're all coming to the table. I think a lot of people have, it depends on the sector. So some people are thriving in this business. Some people are steady state, obviously, and some are suffering. The ones that are are doing very well, obviously they're trying to keep the the lights on and, and they're staying very busy. But a lot of them also are just really saying what can we do differently going forward? Is this the right time to really transform our business? And I think that's, that's been a really, really eye opening experience. And I I applaud those people because I don't know who said it, but it was like, how are you using this time? Because we're all stuck at home and how are you going to come out of this better? Now, some people obviously are are dealing with survival. Totally understand that. But once you get past that, this is an opportunity for a lot of people to, to really kind of re-engineer their business So it it can be exciting as well.
0: Yeah, and I think that paralysis has ended. People now understand, I have to do something, and and what can I do? And that's what I kind of dove into with these seven tactical IT initiatives of things they can start doing and executing upon now versus – you know, the previous of what do I do? Well, these seven guys are things they can start to think about now, no matter where they are in that state versus they're hurting mightily and what they can do versus this is an opportunity for them. Absolutely. Yeah. And and let's, let's talk
1: about what some of those seven tactical IT initiatives that let's dig into some of those, because I think some of them are going to be very interesting to people and they may have not seen it. So let's dig in. What, What do you think the biggest one is?
0: I don't think there is a biggest one. I I think it really depends on where you are in your environment, how this COVID-19 is affecting your business, whether it's creating growth opportunities or it's causing you to reduce expenses dramatically. And we talked a little bit about that on the last podcast. You know, one of the big ones I've seen, though, is migrating applications to the cloud. And there's been this belief of if it's not broke, don't fix it. When the reality is it is broke. You know, your applications are aging, having to bring in new servers. That doesn't exist now. That opportunity doesn't exist now. You know, OS patching, databases, that you know, all these things that are sunk costs. Now is really the time to start looking at migrating those applications to the cloud and changing from that CapEx to an OpEx model. There's a focus to plan to migrate applications to the cloud, get you out of that maintenance. And that's another look of how can I get out of the maintenance of OS, of databases, of security, how do I get out of that? And moving applications to cloud enable you to do that. So I think that's the first big one people are starting to look at of how can I take advantage of the cloud where maybe I wasn't before.
1: Yeah, no, that's that's a good one, definitely. And and Skip, I think we're seeing a lot of this, too, as far as uh, more app modernization initiatives, and then also just a different way of operating even legacy applications
2: in the cloud. Yeah, for certain. So thank you, Michael. I guess from that perspective, what we're seeing as well as the it's almost like gasoline on the fire to uh, close data centers, to get out of that business. The, the on-prem infrastructure really probably more prevalent than ever before right
0: now. Yeah, and there, there's two ways of looking at closing data centers. One is just getting out of that business completely, divesting yourself of the real estate and everything around that. The other way to look at it though, is more of the positive aspect of closing data centers and a report from 451 Group from William Fellows and Melanie Posey really highlighted that, you know, cloud use cloud as a weapon and bring it to the fight against variables such as uncertainty and rapidly changing market conditions. And cloud enables you to do that, allows you to be responsive. So you can think of closing data centers as cost reduction Or you can think of closing your data centers of what the upside of moving to the cloud will provide for you and the ability of taking your human capital, which was around maintenance, now to being able to be more responsive to the market. So, you know, I look at closing data centers not as a negative perspective, but as a positive perspective.
2: Hmm. That's a good point.
1: Yeah, I like that. Yeah, a tough time to be in data center sales, unfortunately. But definitely is getting rid of a lot of the, the capital expenditure going on. And what you know, I think is interesting too is that we're in the midst of uh, helping some clients with some rather large migrations, multiple. And we had a plan, and that's always the best thing. You know, how do you make God laugh or make a plan, right? And then suddenly things changed. So we had to go in and help reprioritize the, the ability to return capital back to the business very rapidly, more so than we ever thought we would have to. And, uh, you know, it's good to see that that motivation is there. We're able to do it. And it's just really it's the only way we could have possibly have done that is with cloud and a lot of the, the technologies that are around it. You know, there's a lot of new enabling things that we can get into at some point that keep uh, getting deployed by the various cloud companies. Those are just tactical methods, but ultimately what they're doing is allowing the the business to realize a greater outcome much more quickly.
0: Yeah. And you've seen it, Ian, across the board and Skip as well. There's a big movement to closing data centers and it is accelerating. Looking at that and looking at how you can return capital to the company is important and critical, especially from a business driver and enabling the business to do some more strategic things. For sure. Yeah. All right. Let's talk
2: about it. Once you're in there, how do you reduce spend? What's well, the, uh, yeah, the other thing, right? So yeah,
0: That's the opposite side of the coin because, you know, once you've gone to the cloud and many companies that have – and especially the ones who went there early, all of a sudden they see that bill continue to tick up and up and up. And a lot of the reasons for that bill growing is not about the applications they're putting in there, but the size, You know, they're used to this model of their own data center and how they provision and they just find a server, get a big server, throw the applications in there, not think about it anymore. When you do that at the cloud, what you're doing is you're over provisioning the the compute net capabilities you need and the storage capabilities you need, and you're not going back and looking at, well, did I really need that big of a uh, compute capability? Is there a reduction I can do around that? So going in and re-examining your cloud spend and how you could reduce that is something that hasn't occurred in the past. I think something that companies like Second Watch and others are looking at, how can we enable that? I know, Ian, you've seen some of that uh, around that and Skip as well. well you know, what are you seeing as far as what are the reductions that you're able to provide people?
2: Yeah, Ian, I think you brought on the, the point about app modernization as a, a key area, uh, just to focus on that from optimizing.
0: Yeah, you
1: know. Absolutely. No, I think that is definitely a big one, particularly on uh, applications that have been intellectual properties owned by the company. Uh, I think that's a very, very big way of doing it too. The second part too is, is beyond the app modernization, which, it, you know, there's obviously a server cost uh, advantage associated with that, and you're truly only paying for what you use in a lot of cases. But secondly, it's that operational cost goes way down as well, because now you're using a platform as a service as opposed to a traditional operating system model in the cloud. So I think that's one big area. Uh, and sometimes it's hard, and we could talk about that maybe a little bit in the future of this podcast. But uh, and how to go about doing that but the second part too is data data is is expensive it's not only expensive to store it's expensive to analyze and if you look at some of the traditional on-prem ways that you can uh, you know basically unlock the value of your data, and you just kind of lift and shift that into the cloud, you truly are probably spending, I don't know, I'm going to throw out a number 3 to 5x more than you probably should be while operating in the cloud. Again, you're paying for it 24 hours a day. Yeah. Uh, there are incredible ways now across all the cloud p- providers to store data and ad hoc do your queries and analysis on them and do all kinds of other you know data warehousing uh, objectives with that. So those are definitely probably the two biggest areas Uh, as far as how you shift your uh, mindset in the cloud. But the second part, too, is also just how do you initiate that conversation with the cloud provider and make a commitment to them, either a one- or three-year, and they all pretty much have that same kind of mindset associated with it. And then you start really uncovering more, basically, reduction of cost. And, uh, again, it's a commitment. There's a risk associated with it, but, you know, Three years in cloud is a long time. Sometimes one or two years might be a lot better to, to take a look at a commitment there.
0: Yeah. Nope, completely agreed. And, you know, I think following along with, and we you talked about kind of that risk, I think risk is kind of that fourth thing that IT needs to be looking at, especially as, you know, we've gone to remote workforce We haven't really examined our risk profile, both within our data centers and within our cloud. So reducing risk is kind of that that fourth IT initiative that I kind of bubbled up. And, And that can be a risk from just an incursion and having people break into your systems. But there's also the risk of just your applications play. I love what, you know companies like Netflix has done with the chaos monkey and being able to go through and start shutting off applications to say what happens and looking at the risk profiles from around that of, and, and that'll start to really tell you where do applications need to live and where can they live more impactfully and more effectively for your organization. So reducing risk and doing security audits, looking at things like that, I think are really critical for, Coming out of COVID-19 and the, the pressure that it's put on companies, because if you get hit or if you have applications go down, that's another greater expense that you don't want to add into what's currently going on. Yeah, Absolutely. Downtime is a huge risk uh, associated with business, particularly
1: if you're consumer facing and operating 24 hours a day. A lot of resiliency could be built in much easier into the cloud. Secondly, too, is there's so many cloud native technologies coming out now that we're seeing as far as security. So analyzing what's going on and getting alerting uh, associated with that. All cloud providers are, are truly dedicated towards that. And it just, that landscape keeps getting better and better. Now, I did hear something that I thought was very interesting in the last few weeks is VPN is dying. And so this, this might get us into the next category. It's why allow your data to really kind of transition out of the data center and go to the remote workforce? Why don't you take the remote workforce and bring them into the cloud? And I think a lot of the virtual desktop interfaces that we have out there now are, are really satisfying that need. So I think this kind of brings us into the next category is really, how do you enable that remote workforce, both for opportunity to expand you know, your, your capabilities and then also do it in a securely way and obviously driving down those operational costs? Skip, what are you seeing out there?
2: And reduce risk. I mean, that's the other thing, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. One area of concern right now is how do you carry on with the project that is... Uh, you know, taking data out of a data center, co some of it, and then also migrating to the cloud. So um, all that, all the while of um, enabling a remote workforce to carry that through. So it's pretty interesting. I mean, this this challenge itself, I'll say, you know, in the era of COVID isn't going to solve itself for the next two years, right? We have to work through this. So.
0: And, and I'll take the, you know, that that's a negative side, but the, you know, reduced risk and allowing that, I'll look at that of how that can enhance your business by, yeah, you know, exactly of how you can bring in skill set and capabilities by enabling a remote workforce that I think people were reluctant and resistant. Just like people were reluctant resistant to go to the cloud because of security, they don't have that concern anymore, Well, they were reluctant to have remote staff. I don't think this has shown us that you can be successful with a remote staff. So enabling that remote staff for recruitment and retention purposes, I think is critical for IT to take on as one of those initiatives.
2: Yeah. They are actually adding value back to the business again, which is the original intention of uh, well, where we are with, uh, not the original, but where we are with IT, right? So, yeah. Interesting. Uh, talk about the opportunity there to, uh, whether it's up-level your, your current staff or find new staff that can work in that kind of means as well. Employee recruitment, retention, how does that affect that, Michael, as well? Well,
0: a huge one around that for me is retainment. You know, somebody that had to go into the office every day because that was a standard, you had to go into the office and sit at your desk. You know, this, this 20 and 30-something-year-old generation, they don't That's not how they operate. That's not how they want to work. They want to examine, explore that work-life balance. So enabling people to work the way they want to work and trusting that they will be able to not only do their job, but grow and expand helps from both recruitment perspective, but also helps you retain the talent that you want to retain because, you know, trying to replace that talent now is getting harder and harder, especially as we change applications, we change how we utilize the cloud. We look towards more things like DevOps. We look towards, you know, Kubernetes. We look for those type of development capabilities. They don't want to sit in an office anymore. So enabling remote workforce, enabling skill sets that people want to operate in. You know, people don't want to be database administrators anymore. People don't want to be, you know, hypervisor administrators. They they just don't want to do that. They want to learn these new technologies. So embracing that and encouraging that and building that into your infrastructure and how you operate is going to be important to enabling you to grow versus being a hindrance to your growth.
1: Yeah, we're definitely seeing several of our clients encouraging their employees to definitely get more skilled or upskilled in this area. And they're asking us how to do that. So I want to take a moment and really kind of encourage our audience that this is something that you want to learn about. You want to become more valuable to your organization and your career. There are many ways. I mean, I'm assuming many of you are stuck at home like we are. And if you go on and you look at some of these these platforms, and it doesn't matter which cloud provider, they're all offering some type of free Training these days and free accounts—it's an easy way to test it out. Uh, There's companies like Quick Labs that have the ability for you to go in and try labs out and really do hands-on things in two-hour chunks. Your your learning will go way up. You're able to demonstrate your knowledge. There's certifications out there. There's a great way to get you know demonstrate your knowledge. You put that on LinkedIn, people that you're in high demand. I mean, I'm not trying to make sure, you know, people run away and there's a mutiny, but the reality is you got to do it.
2: Yeah. My vantage point, you know, from hiring, uh, within, you know, PS cloud enablement for us. Um, yeah, it's opened the opportunities, uh, even wider, you know, um, uh, with the remote capability of going into delivering and all that kind of stuff wrapped up. So yeah, yeah, it's an interesting new world. But that should actually help employers as well for your traditional IT staff or your you know what would be traditional IT staff. So yeah. absolutely. Absolutely.
1: So but once you obviously you get upskilled, there's a lot of things you can do and obviously upskill in the infrastructure, then there's also in the development area as well. There's a lot of new ways of doing things. Uh, and we talked about app modernization. So, kind of coming back into that, how can we increase the application development speed?
0: Well, I think number one, you gotta you gotta commit to increasing your application development speed. You know, you, you gotta you gotta figure out you know time to value. So, you know, traditional waterfall, we, you know, we don't talk about that anymore. But going to more of a DevOps model. Where you bring developers you bring operations and if you're if you're smart you bring in security into that as well as well as testing you bring all those together to work together instead of having it go through one then it goes to the next and it goes to the next bringing all of those together in a devops methodology enables you to increase your application development speed where you're not releasing on a quarterly basis you're not re- releasing on a monthly you're not even releasing on a daily you're doing updates every you know, minute, every 15 minutes, whatever makes sense because you've created an organization that allows and enables us to bring out uh, development, to bring out new applications, new updates to the market that much faster and that much more timely that work. And if they don't work, you have the ability to immediately pull them back, make the changes, and then bring them forward again.
1: Yeah, that's fantastic there because they're, again, the cloud Companies are definitely continuing to enhance the tooling and the capabilities of doing all kinds of deployments. We've all read various books, maybe the Phoenix Project or whatever else Mm -hmm. out there. There's concepts of canary deployments, blue green, all these technologies exist now and uh, with a minimal, much more minimal effort than ever has existed before, and it continues to get better. So, But often we get asked, people are like, it's a daunting task. How am I going to do this across the board? Or like, don't start across the board, start with a small team. Start there, start with an easy win, find that right application and the right team. Success will breed success, and, and that's, you know, it doesn't have to be across the whole organization either. There's still probably three models of DevOps or SRE that you want to kind of contain in there. of so it's the very new, you know, hourly, you know, on the spur deployments, of course, but also how do you manage those steady state applications? It could be done in a much more agile fashion as well. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things out there. Skip, what are
2: you seeing out there? Yeah, I think every journey starts with the first step, the, the proverb or whatever that is there. That, uh, it, but that is it, you know, kind of move slowly, uh, but with a purpose and with a uh, deliberate timeline to actually execute on. People that try to go out and just uh, flip the switch, it doesn't, it doesn't work out.
0: Yeah, the, the last company I worked at, they did exactly that, is there were three development teams. They took one of the development teams to start to implement more of this DevOps model, mm-hmm. and it took them about three or four months to get it right. But once they had it right, they were then able, able to transfer how that process worked to the next development team got them up and running and then to the third development team and to the point where they are now actually implementing changes on a daily basis and it was it was really unique and interesting to see that transformation where before they were releasing every three months to getting to the point where they're releasing daily really cool to see that process
2: yeah two customers come to mind rename nameless but uh embrace failure yeah. uh, as you're learning and as you're pushing this process it really is um, you know paramount to actually be successful right and be open and uh, you know encourage that right um, the 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 more that you can actually help um, you know be iterative and, and finding out things and be inclusive as opposed to exclusive I think Ian you said it the best you know success breeds success and it's uh, tried and true and I living two customers at the at the moment going through the process so
1: yeah and celebrate failure.
2: Yeah, it's okay. (laughs) Sure.
1: Fantastic. Well, I want to thank both of you for your time today. This has been, I I think, a very interesting conversation. And thank you, audience. Thank you always for listening. This episode will wrap up our first season of Cloud Crunch. We'll be taking a short break from podcasting. And, of course, we'll be continuing to research and continuing to educate ourselves on current and relevant cloud issues. And we will be back in the fall for season two. So uh, please, please rejoin us. So there'll be a little bit of a lull in new episodes, but we will be back. And if there are any issues or topics you want to discuss further, we'd love to hear from you and your suggestions. Please email us at cloudcrunch at secondwatch.com. And you'll see those uh, links in the show notes as well. Thanks again, everybody. Have a great week.
0: You've been listening to Cloud
2: Crunch with Ian Willoughby and Skip Berry. For more information, check out the blog, secondwatch.com slash company slash
1: blog, or reach out to Second Watch on Twitter.